Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how must it? Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips. You're going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean? So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. Screen. I am TJ Mercer. I'm known as the Chief Noisemaker of Media Mavericks Academy, and I teach authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. I spent 25 years in Hollywood, and so I really am good at what I do. I really am good at what I do. And so uh, for this season, though, for this season, I show up every day in August. And I share my heart, basically. And I tell you the things that God has put on my heart to tell you. And in this season, our anchor scripture is Exodus 19 and 3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. And we hook in to this is what you are to say. That is what God told me. I need you to go love on my kids. I need you to go get my kids out of their various Egypts, uh, Egypts of depression, Egypts of complacency, Egypts of, of acceptance, Egypts of depression, whatever your Egypts is, I'm coming to get you. And I need you to hook your train to my caboose. Hey, Stacy. And uh, we have been ordained to raise up, wake up the Peters inside of us. And so uh, we have been on this journey and this is day 20, can you believe it? And I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited for all that is uh, uh, coming. We're turning the corner, I see it. God has kind of started foreshadowing a little more because when we first started, we didn't have a clue. 
I didn't have a clue. So when I say we, I mean, e I, <laughs> I didn't have a clue what the heck I was doing. He just told me, I need you to go uh, love on my kids every day of August. And you're going to have to trust me for the fresh manna every day. And so that's what we've done. And I didn't know how these lessons were going uh, to cook together. I didn't know uh, what the, it would drive me crazy because I'm thinking, well, God, I'm a storyteller. So I normally start at the end and work my way backwards so I can tell the story properly. And he's like, no, I'm the master storyteller. So you're going to have to just trust me that I'm going to tell your story. How I'm going to tell the stories how I want them to be told. And so far, he's done that. When you say he's done that, don't you think, Lynn? He's done that, Audrey. Uh, how do I come in just in time to see the melanin popping? <laughs> I'm feeling myself. That gallon of water every day is paying off. So um, we are going to, and Audrey is tracking this, right? Audrey, you tracking me because a few days ago, I taught, what was the, the subject of purpose? I forget what the actual title was. What was the subject? I don't remember. But we broke down the letters of purpose. And I said it was a lot of scripture. And I was like, I don't have any clue as to what God is doing or why he wants me to lay this foundation like this. But we're going to be obedient. And I'm beginning to see a trend. So uh, today's Thursday. So Tuesday, we hooked on to the you of purpose, which was unbelieve what you've been taught to believe. And then last night, we hooked on to the S of purpose, which was survive the delays and detours. And so tonight we are going to pivot to your purpose. Thank you, Yvette. I knew somebody would have me. Um, that was the, the title. And so tonight we're going to hit hook on to the O of purpose, which is overcoming, uh, uh, was it overcoming overriding. I forget overcoming the devil's, the Satan's whispers. So, hey, my Dolly. So we're going to we're going to hook on to that tonight. And then we're we're going to also hook a little. Hey, my Tish. We're also going to hook a little into um, the you of last night, which was what was our word last night? Because y'all know he just gives it it's me daily. So I don't have them ahead of time. Uh, what was the um, what was our word last night, y'all? What was the word last night? What was the acronym last night? I forgot. But I remember the you of whatever the word was. It was unleash your greatest weapon. Survive. Thank you, Dana. See, that's the pe my people. They have my back. They have my back. I told y'all. He don't let me get here. I, do I don't remember necessarily what I'm teaching day to day. So the you of survive, the you of survive is unleash your most powerful weapon, which is prayer unleash your more most powerful weapon. And we've been in this, this thing where Peter is our guiding light. Hey, LaShenda, Peter is our guiding light, our guiding uh, uh, example in this. And so we have watched how Peter has walked with Jesus and the things that uh, Jesus has taught Peter. So we're, we're now kind of just observing the things that Jesus is allowing Peter to have a front row seat on. That is his training ground, if you will. If it's his boot camp, if you will. And how it's now when God has us turn, how it's all laying the foundation of what he knew Peter was called to do. And we already know that that was to be the rock, the rock upon this rock. 
he was going to build his church. And so there was a mantle that Peter has to pick up and take on because Jesus is planting his legacy into Peter and the rest of the disciples. But we keep hearing Peter. So we're going to continue tonight with Unleash Your Most Powerful Weapon. And I've told you guys that um, I, at the top of July, God said, I had just come off of the high of HBCU bingo, where we did over a million in cash and prizes in less than four weeks. And all of a sudden, I'm faced with hearing God tell me, your destiny is at stake. Arm up. It's time to do battle. And for me, I've never done spiritual warfare. I never thought I would have to do spiritual warfare. I didn't think, I don't know what I thought. I just knew I underestimated Satan. Uh, I didn't take him seriously. I didn't give him much thought. I didn't put a lot of energy into him. And that was a mistake. And what I've learned in the last six weeks is that my greatest weapon really is I pray and I go in and I pray in my spirit language. And I can now pray for hours, things I never thought I would do. I can be praying for hours between praying and studying and praying and studying and battling with the word of God and battling with the, the, the weapon of prayer. It really has been an amazing experience to say the least. And I used to, I, you know, I used to think I prayed all the time because I talked to God all day. But as we're going to see by Jesus' example, it was crucial that you carve out those times to just really get with God. Yeah, you talk to him all day, but there are, there are times where you just got to carve out the time to be totally focused on communing with your father. And um, as a result, you know, this is how part of that battle has manifested in that I'm teaching you guys as I'm learning it, I'm teaching as best I can. And I was having a long conversation with my girl Renee today and we were talking about prayer and she was like, your prayers are funny. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you really do just talk to God. Like he's sitting right there on the couch. Like that's your dude. And I'm like, yeah, cause he is. That's, he's my daddy. And I talked to my mama crazy. So, you know, I talked to God crazy too. And, you know, we've seen how Jesus get down. Jesus got a sense of humor. Jesus got clapback game. So, and Jesus and his, his crew were invited to a wedding before he did his first miracle. So that lets you know, Jesus had some kind of personality that people wanted him at his, their darn wedding. So when I go to God, I go to God with no filter. I go to God with, who he created me to be. I go to God and I just talk to him. And I remember Sherry Shepard, I didn't even, even pick this up until she said it when she read my first book, Sherry, who used to be the host of The uh, View and uh, she and Kim Whitley have a, a podcast now and then she's getting ready to be the host of Dish Nation. And I remember when Sherry told me, she was like, Tawan, you really told me, taught me how I can go pray to God just by being who I am. So I, I thought it was crucial that as we're awakening the Peters and we're we're seeing the Peter in us come out and we're observing the model that Jesus was putting out for Peter, I thought it was crucial that we stop down and really deal with prayer. So let's eat. <laughs> 
Let's eat. What is on the table tonight? What is on the table tonight? So go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. So we're just setting the stage. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. So if you hear and you belong to Jesus Christ, his will for you, always be joyful. He didn't say happy. He said always be joyful. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. I'm in constant communication with God all day long. Never stop praying. I can be talking to you guys and still be talking to God. Go to Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the spirit at all times. This is on the heels. This is on the heels of the whole armor of God. So he's gone through the whole armor of God. Put on every, I'll go back up. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, rock the uh, peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition, so you got all of that. In addition of this, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Protect your head with salvation of knowing whatever happens, you are God. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So take your sword, 18, pray in the spirit. At all times, on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So be persistent in your prayers, Anijas. Uh, be persistent in your prayers for Dolly. Be persistent. Dolly, in your prayers for Lashenda. Lashenda, be persistent in your prayers for Patrice. Be persistent. So now let's take it over to what Peter's observing. Go to Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus, and we, we touched on it early in the week. Jesus was always praying. And I said, like, he, Jesus, what are you talking to God about? But he, God, and the Trinity, and, and, and the Holy Spirit were all in communication. And Jesus in his humanity, that's what I want you guys to really pick up tonight. In his humanity, he's given us clues of how he even walked with the father and how he walked 
with the father. He was always praying all the time. Like I found 29 examples of Jesus praying. Go to Luke 6, 12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. What he and God got to talk about? Like you have to ask yourself the question, what y'all talking about? But whatever it is, I know I can need to take a cue from you. If you talking to God all night and you his son, I better be like bowing my head. And this was the night before he chose his disciples. This is when he was getting his instructions and making sure, God, do you really want me to choose Judas? You know, he a thief and he going to betray me. So you really, this is how you, this is the great plan, right? This, this is how you want this to go down. It says he prayed all night. So me spending a few hours in the closet praying when Jesus is praying all night. Luke 9, 18. I'm just giving you examples. One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone and only his disciples were with him. So Peter is getting to see how much Jesus is praying. He's always stealing off to himself to have time with his father. So he praying over, over stuff and then he actually is stealing time away to spend with his father. Luke 9, 28 through 29. And eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. He's still praying. And that's just a few examples. I just needed y'all really to see and start seeing and comparing how you get down in your prayer life and the example that Jesus is setting on how much he prays. I told you 29 scriptures on Jesus praying to his God that he happens to be the son of, that he actually was living with in heaven and he's still talking to him on a regular basis but you won't even talk to him for five minutes. If Jesus thinks it's necessary to be in constant communication, to get instructions, to get divine downloads, don't you think you should too? Like, just, I'm just, I'm just submitting, submitting that as a consideration. Just, you know, don't, don't pay me no mind. So tonight we're going to hit on four ways to be effective when you pray. Dolly says, ouch, I know I had to be stepping on somebody's toes because uh, I know I was saying ouch, like, okay, clearly I, 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 I don't pray like I should. When I really break down the examples that Jesus is setting, yeah, my prayer game needs to go up. All right, so Matthew 15, 35. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves. This is him, this is him uh, feeding the, the five, 4,000. 
Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. The, then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. Then I'm going to go back 36. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them. Pop over to Luke 10. Well, I should have warned you. We're on a journey tonight. Luke 10, 21 through 22. At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Top of his prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. Pop over to John 11. We really traveling tonight, y'all, I'm telling you. <laughs> So this is where right before he's getting ready to raise uh, Lazarus. So uh, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? 41. So they rolled a, a, rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it loud for the sake of the, all of these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Father, thank you for hearing me. And the last one, Luke 22, 15 through 19. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat the Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 17, then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Then he took 17. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. So the P of pray is position yourself in a posture of gratitude. Jesus was always thanking his father. He gave gratitude and it just hit me. What's the uh, tissue? Probably know What's the scripture that said, do not be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication, submit your requests before God with prayer and thanksgiving. I think is what it says by prayer and thanksgiving. You thank God. You enter with a position of a posture of gratitude. Before you start asking for all your stuff, thank God for what he's already done. God thanked him for the fishes, the little bit. He, he still gave thanks for the, the little bit. So in all things, he, he entered with a, a posture of gratitude. Hop over to Daniel 10. Eleven through 14. Then in a rage, the king of the south rally will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king. Am I in the right? One? No, I'm, yeah, I'm in the wrong one. Sorry. 
Daniel 10. Yvette says it's Philippians 4, 6. Thank you. I knew I couldn't remember which one it was. Thank you, uh, Yvette. Well, here, before we go, let's pop over to it so we all can see it. Philippians 4 and 6. Yes. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell what you need. Tell God what you need. I'm reading in the New Living. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Okay, so Daniel 10. 11 through 14. And the man says, so Daniel had uh, was having a, a, a vision. He's, he's in a vision. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. How dope is that? Like somebody coming through and tell you, like I've been telling y'all, you're precious to God, but y'all don't want to believe me. But, you know, I'm just saying, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day. No, where am I? Precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Mm. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So that's one of Satan's minions. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel had been praying for three weeks, but it took three weeks for the angel to come deliver his answer. Three weeks. Don't think God ain't hearing your prayers. He will answer. Pop over to 2 Samuel 12, 13 through 23. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. This is uh, David has slept with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. Okay. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and, and you won't die for this sin. But nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. Don't get it twisted. He's forgiven you. But there, uh, there's still consequences. God ain't to be played with. There's still consequences. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God. Mm, that sound familiar? David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground and the elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with him, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him he wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead, Yvette? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. 
Is the child dead? He asked. Yeah, they replied. He's dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again? David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. So we see David begging and praying to God, spare my child. We see Daniel having prayed and didn't get his answer for three weeks. Some of us have been praying for three years. So that leads us to the R. Rest in knowing God will answer your prayer some kind of way. Although it might not be the answer you want. You still got to wait, but you got to rest in knowing God's going to answer. He is. He's, he's going to answer you. No matter how long it takes, he's going to answer. So when you're praying, pray with the intention of knowing God, I know you're going to answer. I just don't know when. I'm wondering if Daniel felt abandoned, like, man, I've been praying for two and a half weeks and nothing. God, you ain't just gone mute. One of the darkest periods of my life was when I thought I couldn't hear from God and he wasn't hearing my prayer. Because he was just being silent for whatever reason. But I had to rest in knowing he's going to answer at some point. And then you sometimes you got to pray, Lord, help me to brace for your answer. Luke 22, 31 through 32. Peter's up close and personal now. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of y'all like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. Get the difference here. Jesus is saying he's asked for all of y'all. But I pleaded in prayer for you, Peter. I didn't plead that you would be successful. I just pleaded that your faith wouldn't fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And we've dissected this scripture on previous days. So if you knew, make sure you go listen to the previous days. But here's what Peter is actually seeing God pray specifically for him, pray for his weakness, his unique problem. Peter is watching that up close and personal. And it says he pleaded. That's 
that's more than like, you know, I asked God to just make sure that he took care of you. Pleaded means like I was begging God. Like you are so important to me, Peter, that I, first of all, I took you to God. You were on my heart enough for me to go pray about you. But I didn't just stop there. I really interceded on your behalf because I know what I'm calling you to do. And I know there's going to be a time where you're going to have to go in on somebody else because of what you've seen me do for you. So I need to show you what it looks like because I know I'm calling you to feed my sheep. That means you're going to have to be on your knees praying for your sheep. So let me show you what that looks like. I didn't just ask one time. I begged God to make sure he didn't let your faith fail because you're going to need every piece of faith that you can get. Because I love you that much. Luke 23 through 34. Uh, wait. No, Luke 23, verse 34, my bad. Jesus said, this is when Jesus is on the cross, dying. He crucified. He's still praying for all kinds of things. And this point he's going, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they are doing. So, even he hanging on the cross, blood dripping down. Jesus is still going to his father praying. At his most hurting time, his most crucial time, Jesus is still taking everything to the father. Jesus didn't make a move without taking everything to the father. We've seen him take blessing the food, praying for Peter, praying for the, the decisions of the disciples, everything he's taking. Matthew 27 through 46. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Even then, Jesus was telling his dad how he felt. He felt abandoned. He knew how this story ends, but yet in his, mm, in his humanity, he's still feeling so far from the father. And yet he still feels inclined. I, I'm going to tell God, I, I know you seeing it, but I still need to express how this is hurting. I know you watching me walk through this, 
But in my prayer, I'm still going to vocalize my pain to you because you're my dad. I can come to you for everything. And it, it, it soothes me and makes me feel better to, to, verbalize, for, to verbalize it and put it out there. So I'm going to say it. This hurts. But as we see, prayer goes, it fills the gamut. It goes from giving thanks. I'm going to still, I'm going to give thanks. to swinging to this sucks, this hurts. So the A, articulate all of your requests, desires, and concerns. Lay them at his feet, but you might wanna leave out any demands. God can't be manipulated. So you may want to just leave the demands off the table, but everything else, take it to him. He can handle it. Give him your joy and your pain. He wants everything. And so last week, one of my media mavericks, Julia, reached out to me and she she said she was doing a prayer challenge and I'll let Julia tell you who she is because she's Julia to me. I forgot how dope she is. So I'm like, I forgot. Cause you know, you got friends, you don't really care what they do. So you just, they Julia. Um, but I was like, okay, so this may fit into what I'm doing, Julia, but I'm not sure. Um, and so we let it go. And so yesterday, when God told me I would be talking about prayer, I hit up Julia and said, your prayer challenge I think would be good because some people need to know how to go deeper in their prayers. And so I invited Julia to share and um, she, she, her sweet spot is doing prayer in business because we just talked about you, you, you go to God with everything. He doesn't mean, okay, you can come to me about your personal stuff, but leave your business out of the picture. That ain't how he get down. God delights in you and he wants you not bothering him when you seek him for everything. So I wanted Julia here to, to, to talk with her about 10, 15 minutes, and then I'm going to give you the, the why of pray. Uh, so welcome, my girl. Julia! DJ! Oh gosh, I can't hear. Hold on, Julia. Okay, talk now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it, it was my end. I knew it was oh, my end. Okay. Hey, TJ. Hey, my Julia. So oh, listen, um, one thing I want to say is why Julia will always have a special place in my heart is because Julia, when I started doing Periscope, she was one of the first people. I don't know how she found me or she happened across me or she anyway, but she would be on my periscopes all the time. And I didn't know her name because her, her periscope handle was like brave something. So that's all I knew. 
And she slid into my inbox one day and asked me, because she talked to me privately. And I was like, yeah, that's when I had the bandwidth to have conversations with people all the time. Um, and she wanted to know, how did I know how to separate media from ministry? And that was the first time anybody had ever asked me that. And that was the first time that I even knew that, well, that's a thing. No, not separate, integrate. Integrate. Sorry, 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 sorry. How, yeah, how yeah. did I integrate? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for correcting me. How would I how did I integrate and seamlessly go out, go out of one into another? And she was like, I've never seen that. And I'm like, so how else to be? You know, it's like, and she, you know, Julia's almost a left brain, so she's looking for a formula. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't really have a formula. It's like I just it's who I am. It's like, okay, if I'm going to show up and be authentic, if I'm going to show up and, and um, uh, be who, who I fully am and you want to accept me, then you got to accept the Jesus in me. And it's, it's, it's no, I don't care what you think. You buy if, if that's not who you want. And so I, it was the first time that I realized that people have, you know, this thing about that. And she had to explain to me corporate and whatever. And I ain't never worked in corporate. So it was like, I, this, I've been this way my whole life. So Julia will always have a special place in my heart because she made me realize that that is a thing. And so uh, she's special to me. And I want, and I've watched her evolve in her brand of how she has become more vocal and makes noise. So Julia, will you get in a piece of back? Cause you know, I, I, I just know you as Julia. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Hey y'all. Um, I am so excited to be here. Yes. I'm Julia Maverick. Um, and I am the CEO of brave leadership development and my background is in leadership development. I've been in the industry for 15 years, had the pleasure. God has blessed me to work in organizations and with people in organizations like Chick-fil-A and the USDA and um, got to write a piece on Forbes in Forbes where I kind of hint, hint, TJ, I dropped TJ in my Forbes article when I was talking about some leadership stuff. Um, <laughs> um, and so I've had this heart for leaders and that's what was my, that was my business. And TJ has been so instrumental. Like I watch her um, as all of as all of us do, right? We watch her just be herself. And the reason I reached out, I was like, wait a minute, all of my professional life, I was told, no, 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 wait, 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 mm -mm. now you can be this or you can be that, but you can't bring all of that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, but I feel like I need to bring all of that. Mm -hmm. And TJ was the first person that I saw um, that was just unapologetic in all who she was, all who she, who she was. And so I was like, thank you, Lord, for my example, because here I go. And over the years that we've been knowing each other, I've just been developing into that. And so um, just developing the, like this little speech swat to the point, y'all, where I'm doing a prayer challenge. Can we just be real? Like, come on. So, you know. so Julia, what why do you think it is important for people to bring prayer into all aspects of their lives, but most specifically when they're doing business? Yeah. 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 Because, okay. So we have to go back to God's original intent. We think, okay, I'm going to just go Colossians one, I think it's 15 and 16. And it says that Jesus is supreme over all creation, just depending on the translations that you use, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that was created was created in him 
and for him, and he is supreme over all creation. All creation, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, your business is a created thing. Mm. Never looked at it like that. Prayer is a created thing. And I was like, well, wait a minute, Jesus, hang on. I never heard that, right? And so I've had, you know, as I, as I started to dive deep into what God was talking to me about why now is the time that there needs to be an upgrade in prayer in the, in, in the earth. And I don't mean um, getting louder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't mean I don't mean you're spending more hours. Now, there are times where God will say, come away with me. I want to spend all this time with you. But mm -hmm. that's not what I mean. I mean, an upgrade and the understanding of the authority, the purpose and the reason of prayer. Miles Monroe said, whoa, whoa, whoa. say it again. The authority, the, the purpose, purpose and the and reason the of prayer. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And so when we don't know when we don't know the purpose of a thing, we will misuse it. Ah, yeah. And I use my favorite example with that, like um, the Little Mermaid, when Ariel got on land and she saw the fork on the table, what'd she do? She picks it up and she starts, and everyone's looking at her like, Great. You know, yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's just one of my favorite examples because sometimes it's innocent that we don't know. Um, someone's never taught us or someone gave us some misinformation. But when right. you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will always misuse it. Right. And so I, it, or I would even add, take it for granted. Yes, that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I come from a praying grandmama. I come from a legacy of people who prayed. And so I know what it is to tarry, right? I know what it is to like, oh Lord. Like in, when I grew up, if you didn't sweat, <laughs> you pray, then you ain't pray. You ain't pray through. If it was, if you weren't wiping your eyes, you get a prayer through. If you weren't wiping the tears, blowing your nose, all this other stuff. If you didn't pray to God and sing song, you know what I mean. Oh right. God, we yeah. come to you today yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. name. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like now, I. I think it's fun. So I, I don't I don't poo-poo people for that. You know what I mean? But I was just like, but that was just kind of like the thought. So prayer is one of those things. We catch it more than we're taught it. We see how other people do it. So just to answer your question, here's the reason. Because it's time for us, especially those of us who are in our leaders, it's time for us to know God's heart and mind and his desire for prayer. I know what man has said it should be and what to do. Well, what was God's original intent when he said, when he created prayer, when the father, the son and the Holy Spirit were communing with each other in, oh, what? Prayer. Mm -hmm. Before mm -hmm. he even created his own. So that's why, that's why I just feel like this is, now is the time. And there were some things like I had, man, the Lord has opened up some doors and I got to support businesses in prayer. As they are going out, they're kingdom businesses, they're Christian business owners, and they're like, listen, God is calling me to do this, calling me to do that. Um, we need to pray. And, and it was like, Lord, how do you expand this kingdom thing that they're doing in a way that is, um, you know, that's just in alignment with your heart? So, yeah, so a couple of minutes. Julia, why do you think so many people find it hard to pray? Yeah. Um, I call Three reasons. Number one, you don't. It, it, it goes back to what you believe about God. 
um, what we believe about God um, determines how we interact with him. So if you do not have an understanding that God, and when I say understanding, I mean a heart level, I notice in my bones understanding mm. that God is good and that he loves you, then you're mm. not going Why would you? Why would you? That was part of my story, right? Um, I understood Jesus. Like I understood what Jesus did. Jesus and I were cool. He was human. I'm human. You know, we can get down. Holy Spirit understood him too. Power, teacher, counselor. Yes, I got you. God mm. the Father though. Mm, we had issues. Mm. He and I had issues. Because I saw God the Father through the lens of the father figures that I had here on earth. And I was like, well, you just like them. This one did that, this one did that. So when it says come boldly before my throne of grace and I don't think God is good and I don't think God loves me, I ain't going. Oh man, now I got to get into guilt because you know, Jesus said men ought always to pray. Right. So now I got to go to this person that I really don't care about that much or we just not, I just got to push that to the side and just do this thing because it's something I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So that's number. That's one reason why we find it hard is because of the belief that we have about God. Okay. The other reason we find it hard is because of myths we believe about prayer. Oh. We'll... Yeah. Mm. What yeah. are some of the most? What are some of the common myths? Oh, we believe that prayer is begging God to do what He already said He was going to do. Oh. So why would we do that? Like, um, this is why it's hard because I was like, God, I don't understand it. You already said this. Now I got to beg you to come through Jesus. Send it on down, send it on down, right? Like, oh, I ask you to do this in the name of Jesus. And then here's what we do. Because we don't know, because we're coming through with some very religious mindsets about prayer, right? Then we're going internal. Most of us go internal. Because God is good, God is great. Like our, everybody say that, right? So if something's wrong, then it must be me. I, and then what we take that is, and then we say, oh, well, I must not have prayed long. I must not have prayed right. Well, did I say in the name of Jesus? Wait, the scripture says I suppose to enter into his gates with thanksgiving or is it went into with praise first or, or, or courts first? Okay. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Did I say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or... Do, is it Yahshua? Is it Jesus? Or can I call him Yahshua? What's his name again? Like, 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 right. So we do all of these things when it comes to prayer because we think it's a formula. Mm. And we think that if I don't get the formula right and or getting the formula right will get my answers, get me answers. And if I don't get the formula right, then it's my fault. So, of course, God's not going to answer my prayer because I said in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, instead of in the name of the Lord Most High, or whatever that thing was. So it becomes so, so it's kind of stressful that you're not really gently communing with the Father because you're so busy worried about the formula. Yes. And I'm like, can we be free? <laughs> right? Because, and that's what we do. So if the formula is not right, and I'm not sure. So listen, then we start now, let's, I call them specialty prayers, okay? Well, there's the prayers of deliverance and there's the prayers of intercession is the prayers of warfare and there's the prayers of all these other things. And then they all have protocols that people are writing books about. And it's like, well, I, I, I don't, well, I don't know what, I don't know what that, 
that is like, um, if, am I am I doing this right? I don't know if I'm doing this right. And so we are so shrouded in guilt that we just go, you know what? I know I'm supposed to. Oh, Jesus knows my heart. And just like, I'm just going to step back. So those are some of the myths that we have about prayer. And um, in the prayer challenge, we actually talk about five myths that actually keep people from from seeing the abundance that God has already prepared for them. So, um, so have you have you have you gotten pushback because you you actually are out there and you know and I I agree like pray about everything that yeah. you that you are out there talking about praying for prophets. Yes, I sure am. Have, and you, I, have you gotten any uh, pushback or yes. what's been the response to that? Of course, of course, I've gotten pushed back to that because it's like, oh, this is the prosperity gospel and all this other stuff. But here's what I say, right? I am intentional. I know my lane. I know my assignment. And this is what I say. So the subtitle of the challenge, the profitable prayer challenge, mm-hmm. how to unapologetically pray profits into your business without manipulating God, without fighting the devil and without spending hours on your knees. Mm. Right. So I'm not coming from a place of God is a genie. I'm just going to rub him the right way. And then he's just, gonna <laughs> unleash, you know, he's going to unleash all the money. I'm just going to get a windfall and all that. It's like, no, that's not where I'm coming from. And so for those who have an ear, let them hear. And if you can't hear, then you're not supposed to be in my challenge. I'm just I'm OK with that. But for those who are like, listen, I want to understand prophets. And I talk about prophets in a couple of ways because you know how we do. You know, TJ's the queen of a, of acronyms. So I had to get one. right? <laughs> so I did an acronym for prophets. Uh-huh. Right. So who wants to unapologetically pray for provision in their business? Right. Don't put your hand up. Don't put your hand up if you don't want to. OK. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to unapolog- unapologetically pray for resources? Mm. Oh, who doesn't want to unapologetically pray for opportunities? Mm, that's good, Bill. You making the media coach in me proud. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead, girl. Who, who, who doesn't want to autom- Who doesn't want to unapologetically pray for favor? Yes, I. Who doesn't want to unapologetically pray for income? Listen, can we just be real? Let's just stop all of this. If you are in business and you are not making money, you're not in business. You're not in business, right? Right. Right. Business. Your business was God's idea. It wasn't yours. So it's his responsibility. Um, where, where am I? T. Who doesn't want to unapologetically pray for teams? Right. Your team, the, your staff, your employees, you know, whatnot, your vendors, joint ventures, you know, people that you collaborate with. And who does not want to unapologetically pray for strategies? Mm-hmm. Like, That's good, Julia. Proud coach moment. Proud coach moment. Yes. Love I was like, it, I gotta come Lord. correct. I gotta come correct. Yeah, you did it, baby. I'm proud of you. Lynn, Lynn, I know Lynn could relate. Lynn, you proud too, aren't you? Go ahead, Julia. Sorry. Okay, I'll get back to you. Okay, go no, ahead. No, 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 I'm glad because that's what I'm saying. I'm like, listen, people, like you have to come to this idea. Now, what, why is it that people are going, Julia, you can't pray for prophets. Why can't you do that? Well, it's because you don't understand the purpose of prayer. Mm. There's a difference between the reason something exists and the purpose something exists. The reason something exists reflects the heart of the creator, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever created the sculpture, the reason that sculpture exists because it's a reflection of that artist. Okay. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. The reason a microphone exists or, or the car, right? When Henry Ford got this idea, the reason that it existed is because it reflects the heart of the creator. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the reason humans exist reflects the heart of the creator. We were create. The reason we exist is for love. God loves us. That's why he created us. That's why he said, let us make man <laughs> in our own image. Right. Because mm-hmm. he's all about family and family exists and, and family spreads through love. Right. Mm-hmm. So the reason something exists reflects the heart of the creator. The purpose reflects the function of the creation. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say, say that again. The purpose reflects the function of the creation. Okay, unpack that. Yeah, so let's talk about this microphone. So the art, so the the scientist who said, you know what? I want to create something. It was his heart to create the microphone. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. why it was created. Mm -hmm. Well, the function of the microphone is not to just sit in a shelf somewhere. The purpose, I'm sorry, the purpose of the microphone is for amplification. The purpose reflects the function of the creation. What's the creation? The microphone. What's its function? Amplification. Mm. What's the function of the creation? There is a function. And so what we don't know and what a lot of believers, um, especially people in business, they think we, we relegate prayer to the um, like the more like the church side of things. Well, Jesus didn't. He didn't. He didn't do that. He 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 incorporated prayer in every area that he was in. And every area. Every area, right? When the guy, I can't remember who it was, but when the axe head fell, he was like, oh Lord, it fell, right? That's a form of prayer. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? He said, it wasn't mine because it was borrowed. He was like, hey, hey, let me go do this physical thing for you so that you're not going to be indebted to this person, that your your stuff is not going to break, right? He did that in the marketplace for people to see, right? When he when they were fishing and he was like, we were out here all night, right? And he was like, yeah, um, so what are we going to do? He was like, cash down your nets on the other side. And he was like, well, we, gonna, we already been over there, G. right? It was that communication that was part of the region and function, right? And so he gave a solution that helped the marketplace. Have you ever thought about what happened to all that fish? Because in that scenario, right, it said they had to grab other fishermen to come and help them. Right, right. Well, they didn't have refrigerators back then. They didn't have refrigerated trucks. So what happened to all of that fish? He blessed a man's business and the blessing of that business multiplied so many places so now people who have fish oil now they're skinning it now they're eating it now they're preserving it now they are i don't know what product i don't know what products you make with fish right but like all of that fish wasn't consumed now it was taken over there it was made to be oil it was you know put on like all of a sudden an economy a whole city a village was blessed why because someone went to jesus and said we have this problem he and they prayed he got a solution, and that solution produced profits. Right. That's good. <laughs> that, that's good, Julia. That's good. <laughs> I, I, love that. I love the way, because that was Peter. That was Peter that he, and that's when Peter followed him. Yep. Um, that was it, and that's been the theme of what we've been, we've been talking about is Peter. But I like the I like that spin on it. Jesus came through with a solution that produced profits. Yep. For Peter and his partners, John and James. Yep. 
Yo, that's good. Wasn't that good, y'all? Wasn't that good? So why aren't we why aren't we praying? Like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we interacting? And so part of what you know I have fun doing is really busting up the myths. Um, and um, yeah, so I have fun busting up the myths about why we don't. So myth number one is the myth that you believe about God, even though you know him, love him, talk to him all the time, right? Well, you still have some myths that you believe about God yeah. because if you think if he's angry and mean and he's just waiting for you to sit up there to bop you on the head because you did something wrong and then come around and go, oh, I told you not to do that. See, <laughs> like that's not that's not the father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So what are the myths that you believe about God that even prevents you from thinking that he has some good stuff for your business? Why is it, TJ? that we can believe and trust him for our eternal salvation. But when it comes to our profit and loss statements, it's like, oh, no, 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 that's too much for Jesus. <laughs> like, I'm gonna leave him out of this part. He'll, he'll need to be in this part. I, I, I don't understand this. I, I do not understand that, right? So uh, day two is about the myths that you believe about prayer. And we go into those and then we talk about the truth. And then in the challenge, I talk about the reason and purpose of prayer. And I give people the definition like this is the reason God created prayer. This is the reason and this is the purpose that God had in mind when he created it. So that's on day two. Day three, we talk about the myths you believe about you. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. The myths you believe about you. Jesus was the son of God. Who am I? Mm. You don't know how important you are. Because uh, the enemy, uh, we've talked about that. The, the enemy, your circumstances, the things that you like, all of those are trying to suppress the greatness that God is has in you. So if God says, I have this table that I prepared for you and you go, no, God, I can't come to the table. It's appreciated, but you really didn't mean to invite me. He's like, I, I know what I said. I said what I said. Right? <laughs> I prepared a table for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So we talk about that. We talk about some of the things that you believe about you. Um, day four is probably my favorite because we talk about the myths that we believe about money. <laughs> and how many? Wait, how many days is the challenge? It's oh, five-day challenge. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Five-day challenge, yeah. So day four, we go after money. We have, especially those of us who love the Lord, we have such a religious um, aspect when it comes to money. But it's like, here's the, do you know the purpose of money? Do you know what it is? Do you know how it's actually there to serve you? We go into all of that on day four. Um, and then day five, we talk about the myths that you believe about your business. Um what are you saying to your business? Do you treat your business? If you spoke to other people the way you spoke about your business, would you be always fighting? Mm. was fighting words, right? Like how many times do we look at our business as nasty or, or, or burdensome or whatever? Like what do we believe about business? And you don't know the role that your business plays in a bigger, in, in God's larger plan. And yeah. so we talk about that so that you can get congruent. So when we bust up all of those myths and then put truth, and it's like, this is the truth. Then people are free. That's what I love. Like, that's my heart. To yeah. be free, to operate fully, to have this conversation that you talked about with God, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've had people in the challenge. This is the um, this is this isn't the first time I'm running it, 
But one of the testimonials from the challenge was she said, you know, I avoided talking to God. I love him, I, but I avoided talking to him for over 30 years. Woo! Because of some of these myths, right? Well, it's wow. my fault. And she goes, and I don't know where I found you. I saw you someplace. I don't know. And I just got curious and I just said, okay, I'm a click. And she was like, and now we are having conversations. Yeah. Yeah. We are having conversations. Like we have got, and I love what you say, right, TJ? Like I just talked to him like me. And mm -hmm. we talk about that. Like, why is it that all of a sudden when we start talking about God, now we got to start speaking Elizabethan James, right. New right. King James Version English. Now right? and thus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't do that. Right. When we have all of these things that we have to do in our minds to make prayer effective, right. and we know that we can't always live up to that, then we won't even do it. That's especially you go-getters, especially you uh you ambitious folks. You're like, listen, I need stuff that works. If it don't work, I'm dismissing it. And yeah. so a lot of business owners don't pray because they don't see how a solution can come in, in the real time pace of business. Yeah. And I'm like, I got I got I got receipts for you. I'm gonna show you how it does. Um, and this is what I do for people. So anyway, so yeah, so when I would um start, Julia. It starts on Monday. It starts Monday. on Monday. Okay. Yeah. So this so Monday. I mean, I didn't plan this. I had told Julia. I don't know how she fits. I, I mean, so I didn't plan this and and I told her, and it's gonna be a day of thing. Cause I, I've been honest. God doesn't yeah. tell me what we doing until the day of. And so last last night when he had told me, you know, uh, that we're gonna hook on with prayer. I was like, okay, you telling me early enough. So does that mean I need to nudge Julia? You know, <laughs> because this would be, um, this would be right up their alley to give them a structure that for those of them, like the woman you said that had, you know, hadn't prayed in 30 years, it's like, yo, I can't imagine, but there are people out there like that. So if I can present that, because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to teach a prayer class. This is the, the book of what I'm going to do. So <laughs> for me, it, it worked, it worked perfectly because you're going to take them on a deeper dive to go to the next level as they're awakening the Peter in them. And so, uh, thank you. Thank you. And I just, I just wanted to, the last thing, like if you register, um, put code TJ, T-E-E-J, um, so I know where my help comes from. So, um, yeah, so when you do that, so yeah, I would love to see anybody, if, if it's up to you, like if you, if you are tired of performance-based, boring prayer and you want an upgrade, then you're going to want to join us in this challenge, so. Wow. Okay. So I just updated uh, that. So code T-E-E-J. Um, thank you, Julia. I, th I thank you for um, doing this. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. You know, you really have found your voice and you really have found your lane and your sweet spot. And you definitely are a testament to waking up the Peter in you. Uh, I've seen you thrive in these, these last few years of you just being out there and taking a stand for mixing uh, ministry with business, you know, and doing it effectively. And now you're teaching other people how to be unabashedly um, proud of that, loud for that and unapologetically rocking 
with Jesus, for which, which we know all our help comes from. We wouldn't be here. So Absolutely. I am totally, totally proud of you, pumpkin. Love you. Love you. Love you. Thanks for coming to. I love what you're doing here, so um, I'm ready. I'm gonna keep listening. All right, so we're gonna move on. All right, baby, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, we're gonna move on to uh our last point. Our last point. Head over to Mark 16, 32 through 42. Mark 16, 32 through 42. Uh. No, what did I get? I'm having problems with my reading today. Mark 14. Don't pay no attention to me, y'all. Pay attention to what's on the screen. <laughs> uh, 32 through 42. Okay, where are we at? Okay, they went into the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. He took his crew. Peter's once again getting a firsthand um getting a firsthand look at this. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. And we've talked about, we're seeing the humanity of Jesus. He told them my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. And he's telling God, I'm a father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please. This is his request. So we just, we just talked about articulate everything. So he asked God, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? And we've talked about this. We've dissected this too. Can you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer. So he's, he's feeling it. He's coming back to asking, can you please take this cup away from me? When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. And when he returned to them a third time, so he ain't gonna pray the same prayer three times, asking for his father to come to his rescue. Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But no, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Slide over to Luke 22, 42 through 44. Just another angle of this. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And can you just see Jesus? He, he's thinking about, I'm about to die a brutal death. And I've said it before, this ain't no, he gonna take a pill and just fade off into oblivion. He about to hurt. And he's asking God, can you come up with a different way? Yet, yeah. I want your will to be done, not mine. 43, then 
an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that he was doing the prayer that Julia just talked about. When she's talking about you, you, you sweating and you crying, he was in such agony of spirit, not a flesh. His spirit was hurting, thinking about what he had to go through. And I'm wondering at this point, is he thinking about the people that don't even like him? He about to die for them and not just die. He about to die brutally for them. In such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And at last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. And then slide over to, um, I'm gonna connect them in a minute. So let's slide over to 2 Corinthians 12, six through nine. This is from Paul, this is Paul talking. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Verse eight is where I want to be three different times. How many times did Jesus ask God, go back and pray in the garden? Three different times. I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, y'all, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Jesus is asking God to just, can you figure out a different way that we can do this? Paul's answer was, my grace is enough. You have to live with this. You're going to have to get used to walking with a limp. This is what you get ready to carry for the rest of your life. But I'm going to use it. Because in 2020, there's a group of people who need to read, who need to know and read this and know that God sometimes answers our prayers in ways that we don't want to, but it's, it's for his glory, it's for for his benefit of how he wants to get down with our lives. So with Jesus in the garden, he didn't take the cup, but he sent help. It says 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He didn't take the cup, which is what Jesus was asking, but he sent him help. So the why is yield to God's answers, ways, thoughts, and plans concerning you. You gotta yield to it. 
It's really no use of fighting it. You got to accept it. So I'm going to tell you as our last thing, I'm going to tell you a story I've only told publicly one other time. And it was my version of God saying no to David's child. It was, it's my version having to yield to what God is saying no to me about. I want to take you back to April 4th, 2006. I was almost six months pregnant. And my mom had come to LA to visit for her spring break. And because I had made it through my first trimester, I thought God had released and forgiven me for not one, but two abortions. And I was so grateful because the statistics had said that once you make it through your first trimester, you're out of the woods. And so I was holding on to the, to the statistics. And my mom had, I don't like shopping. So my mom had come and she'd gone and done all the baby registry. And it was the first time I'd actually felt dot my baby move. And we had decided we didn't, we didn't want to know what dot was. We were, we were going to find out when she was born. I'm saying she, cause we now know she's a girl, but at the time, and we had been to one, not one, but two doctor's appointments this day. We went to the doctor's appointment where you determine the sex of the baby and you have the 4D and then it, we'd gone to my regular gynecologist. And like I said, that was the first day I actually felt dot move. We, I had nicknamed it dot when I first saw it be a dot on the screen. So that's where the name dot came from. And mom was scheduled to leave early the next morning. And so I was in the bed sleep. And my husband at the time had been out late doing whatever he was doing. But he woke me up when he came home at like two in the morning and I coughed. I got up to the bathroom and I coughed. And all hell broke loose. And I yelled for him, get mama, get mama. Mama was sleeping in the in the in the living room on our pullout couch. I'm standing there and I'm I'm watching all of my fluid just and I I deal with crisis kind of with humor. So I'm watching it. And I'm two steps from the bathroom and I have the presence of mind, like, and we had white carpet. So I had the presence of mind to go full, take two steps into the bathroom. So you don't ruin your white carpet. 
So he finally gets mom. Mom's like, call 911, call 911. And they call 911, they have me, and 911 tells them to lay me down on the bed. So I'm in my red nightgown with the Marvin the Martian, glow in the dark, my favorite nightgown. And I hear all of this commotion in the living room because the in, in LA, they send like firemen. So I hear all the commotion in the living room and I'm, I'm watching, there's two big, gorgeous firemen coming in. And all I'm sitting here thinking is like, I am in this raggedy nightgown and these two fine firemen come in. And one of them is tending to my vitals and I could hear all the commotion. And I said, what is going on in there? And he's like, they can't get the gurney. They can't get the couch back in, the bed back in the couch. And they're trying to get the gurney in here. And I said to him, would it be easier if I walked to the gurney? He was like, if you're up to it, yeah. So I said, okay. So I'm walking to the, to the gurney. And my mom is standing at the, the door of my bedroom. And I pass her. And I look at her, she goes, what do you want me to bring? I said, just bring my laptop. Because for me, if I have my laptop, I can make some stuff happen. If I just have my laptop, I can research what the problem is. If I have my laptop, I can figure out what's going wrong. And my mother was like, well, what about your purse? I'm like, oh yeah, you should bring the purse too. And I whispered to her, don't tell him, meaning my ex-husband, don't tell him. But I know I've lost, I've lost Doc. Cause I could feel the emptiness. So we get into the ambulance and my husband's face, I mean, he uncut, he uncussed out the paramedics and everything. They won't let him ride with me cause he's too crazy. So my mother gets in the, in the, in the, in the, in the ambulance with me and I see his face. My mother's like, don't break right now. Cause his face is right there. He's worried to death. And so I mouth to him, I'm okay. And then I'm praying like, Lord, can you please protect him as he's trying to get to the hospital? Because I know he's going to be driving like a maniac. And so the paramedic is going, wow, you're you're absolutely actually so calm. And I say, well, can you imagine two of us acting a fool like this? And so you could tell the paramedic don't know what to make of me, you, you know. And so we ride. And then like, remember, it's two o'clock in the morning. We riding in the ambulance and I don't hear any siren. And I'm like, this is my first time in an ambulance. How come I don't hear no sirens? And so I ask him, like, how come? Hey, how come I'm looking up and how come I don't hear siren? He goes, oh, it's you know, we don't run the sirens um, at, you know, this early in the morning because it's not a lot of traffic. I was like, hold up. This is my first time in an ambulance and I'm going to have to pay because I had to pay for my own health insurance. I knew I had a high deductible and I got to, I'm going to have to pay for this ambulance. So I'm going to need a whoop whoop. I, I'm going to need something. I'm going to need a whoop whoop. <laughs> my mother is here. My mother would tell you, am I, am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? If mom is still here, she knows I'm telling the truth. I was like, I need to have a whoop whoop. And so he was like, okay, how about we do it when we get closer enough, we get closer to the hospital? I said, bet, because I want my whoop whoop. So we get to the hospital and I hear my whoop and I'm just sitting there smiling at him. And you could tell this man don't know what to make of me. 
You know, he he does not know what to make of me. And so I'm smiling at him like, I got my whoop whoop. <laughs> so they give me up to neonatal. And uh, my first doctor, you know how they say black women, the, the statistics about black women su su surviving childbirth because we're not taken seriously. And um, uh, mom is here. Yep, <laughs> she knows that was the truth. And was not taken seriously. And I experienced that. My first doctor was horrible. And she kept referring to Dot as the fetus, very clinical. And at one point, there was another nurse. Her name was Karen. There was another nurse attending to me. And I finally just snapped at the doctor. And I was like, because the doctor said the fetus only has a 1% chance to, to make it. And I was like, first of all, the fetus is my child. And God can work with 1%. So I'll take it. I need you to leave so I can pray. And so you could tell the doctor, you know, and so they elevated me because I had lost all of my amniotic fluid. So they elevated me in the bed. And this nurse, she came back as a white nurse. Her name is Karen. She came back and she said, I got to tell you, I've never heard a patient speak to a doctor like that. And she said, um, I may be crossing the line, but I'm a Christian too. So if it's okay with you, I want to put Dot's name in my prayer circle so that we can pray for Dot. And she said, you fight for Dot. And I was torn because they were concerned about me getting an infection because of, I forget what else was happening to me. And so that was concerned. The doctor was trying to get me to abort Dot. And I was in my mind, I'm like, I've had two abortions. I don't want to abort the, the child that I want. And so I was torn. And so when Karen came in, she was like, you fight for Dot until you can't fight anymore. And she said, I'm going to tell my prayer circle to make sure that they pray for Dot. And so that's why I had my decision. I told the doctor, I'm not going to abort her. I'm, I'm it because I still didn't know. My mother hadn't told that she was. My mother was the only one who knew what Dot was. We had let her find out so that she could go shop for Dot. And I was in the hospital a whole week. And my time was measured around them coming to check to see if Dot still had a heartbeat. I watched the clock just based on, and every time they would come, I'm, I'm staring at their face to see what their face is registering if they they hear. And that sound of, you know, when they put the, the thing on your tummy and you hear the, and it's like, okay, I've begun to know, I could hear the heartbeat and then I would exhale like she's still there, she's still there. And so my regular doctor didn't have privileges at this particular hospital. They had to rush me to the hospital that was closest to me. And so we made arrangements for me to get to Cedar sinai which is where my doctor had, had um, um, privileges so I could see my regular doctor. So in the course of this week, my mother never left the hospital. From the time I was in the first hospital to 
when I they transported me over to Cedar so I could get, get with my doctor. And my mother, you know, was clockwork. We she would stay up with me through the night, talk to me. She knew when to be quiet. She knew when to let me in my head. And I was in so much, you know, like, Lord, and I'm praying hard, like, Lord, please forgive me. Don't punish my daughter for my sin. Don't, don't, well, not my daughter. I'm still praying from Dot. Don't punish Dot for my sin. Please don't take, put it on me, but don't, don't punish Dot. Dot is innocent. Please. And I'm negotiating. I don't even remember what I was negotiating, but I was like, I'll do anything if you just let me have my child. And then one morning, they came in on April 11th, and they told me, your life is in jeopardy now. And my cousin had come to be with me. And they said, your life is in jeopardy now. We got to take Dot. It's either you or Dot. And if you never been put in a position where you have to choose between your life or your child. And you know, you will willingly give up your life, but it's like, and it made the decision easier because they told me that Dot was hurting and she was stressed because there was no amniotic fluid on her limbs. So every time that, that Dot would move, it was friction. And so she was in my stomach getting bruised. And that was the only time I was like, okay, y'all got to take her. Cause I, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to have my daughter or my, my, my baby in distress. So that made the decision a little easier of, of them telling me you've got an infection. So your life is in jeopardy now. That was when my mother told me that was a little girl. And I immediately could see her, what she would look like with her big old head and she was going to have to wear glasses and she would have her father's feet. And it, it, it was like, I could see her so clearly. And so I'm praying hard, like, God, I, I just need a miracle right now. I need, I need a miracle. And so they in, induced labor and my doctor told me that I wouldn't go into labor the next morning. So I made my mother go home and sleep in a bed. Cause I'm like, mom, I, they've induced labor, but we got some time. So cousin is here with me. I'll be fine. And all of a sudden mom gone, cousin is with me. And I feel contractions. And about 30 minutes later, nurse comes and she checks how far I've dilated and I've dilated. So she goes stat. We, she's delivered. She's, she's about to have this baby. And my prayer with my mom at night was Lord, I don't want to feel no pain. At first I was going to try to have natural childbirth, but you're telling me that I'm probably going to birth a dead stillborn baby. So I don't want to feel the pain because there's no sense of going through the pain if there's no joy on the other side of the pain. So I was like, I'm going to have an epidural because I, I, I don't give me no pain. If I think there's no joy on the other side, 
but I went into labor so fast that the epidural didn't kick in and in walks this black male doctor with the biggest hands I had ever seen. And he's sticking his hand in me and I'm going, Lord Jesus, dude, could we have had a, a woman doctor? Cause my, my main doctor had also left. So she was not going to have time to get back to the hospital. So it's this black doctor with the big hands. And like, I'm only saying it because I still remember him. <laughs> it's like, he got huge hands. And so a few minutes later, I could feel dot slide out of me. And I'm still laying there hoping and praying for a miracle. And I'm, I'm hoping that what will happen is what we see on TV where you hear a stat, I hear a heartbeat. Like I was, I was praying for that moment. I was my, I was holding my breath. Like, Lord, just let me have that moment that I hear a heartbeat. And I saw when the doctor grabbed Dot and he turned his back to me. And I saw when he took the stethoscope and put it on her, on her. And all I can remember is him, the slow movement of his head, just doing that. And that's when I knew God had said no. And I was going to have to live with this. I was going to have to figure out how to process this and not be angry because I could be angry because I felt like he was punishing me. And then it wasn't over. I had to still be in pain and in labor for like another half an hour because my placenta hadn't come down. And so the doctor is trying to go up there to massage my placenta down. And so I still was in pain. So I couldn't even grieve because I was still in pain. And it was just like, Lord, this is hurting too much. I can't take much of this. You've already said no. So why do you have to keep putting me in pain? And finally, placenta came down. And I just remember just sleeping. And then hoping that it was a nightmare. And this is at the time where I'm up in the middle of the night and all, all I can think is like, I'll never smile again. I'll never be happy. I'll never feel joy. I understand I'm accepting your decision. I'm yielding to your answers. I'm yielding God, but this hurts and this sucks. And I don't think I'll ever be myself again. You said no to me. And the one time I really wanted a yes, you, you were telling me no. But then where do you go? It's like the person that's causing me the pain is the person I got to still go to for comfort because I just, this hurts too much. I can't get through this without you. In a few years uh, before, I worked on this little film called Home on the Range. It was a Disney film. And there was a song in it that the composer, Alan Minkin, he's 16-time Academy Award winner. He wrote this song that was inspired by 9-11, but the song 
comes a point in the film where this woman loses her farm and the song is called, Will the Sun Ever Shine Again? And I found myself humming that song. It was the one song I've ever put on my iPad, my iPod from any of the films I'd worked on. And as I'm asking God, I'm landing in the complete darkness. I'm asking God, God, will I ever smile? Will I ever see the sun? Will I find joy in anything? He reminds me, grab your iPod. And I find that song and the words are, will the sun ever shine again? What if the rain stops, where the rain never stops pouring? Lord, if you listening, help me. Cause I don't believe the sun will ever shine again. And I listened to that thing on repeat and my faith started kicking back in like, God, you still love me in spite of my no that you gave me. You're going to have to help me get through this. You did this for a reason. I ain't even got to understand the reason, but you're going to use this. But this hurts and this sucks. And so I know what David was feeling. You begging and you begging and you begging for the right answer that you want. And God says no. And you just then have to just pick yourself up and go. Okay, he said no. So I got to get through it. And this is the, only the second time that I've told this, this story publicly and I wanted to share it because some of you look at the TJ now, the walking exclamation point, the woman to watch, <laughs> the light and love, all the monikers that people have bestowed on me without really knowing how deep my pain has been and where God has said no to me. You look at the things that I'm doing now and it seems like God just loves, loves, loves him some TJ. He's always telling her yes. And it's like the one time I really wanted a yes, he said no. And I still got up. I still had to yield to his answer. So the joy that you see is coming from God just loving on me, walking with me. My marriage dissolved after that because that's when the abuse turned up. And as crazy as it sounds, I miss my daughter. Don't get me wrong. I miss her so much. Some days the grief will knock the hell out of me. But then there are other days where I think about how much of an amazing life I have and that I don't have to parent with my ex-husband because there was stuff there that I would have had to deal with and then there's that guilt of like, are you saying that your life is better without your daughter? And it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I love my life now. And it becomes a part of my testimony so that people can see, yeah, her joy comes with a cost. Her joy comes with an immense amount of pain. How many years did I spend where I couldn't even look at a child? How many years did I spend? I couldn't go to a baby shower. How many years did I spend? I can't be around children. 
One of the hardest thing I had to do was be a TT to a little girl as my first niece that was biologically mine. And it was just like, Lord, I got to look at her face and see some resemblance of my child. Really? That's what we doing? So understand, God will give you a no, but he'll also give you the how he's going to sustain you through the no. I love my life. Don't get the tears twisted right now because I'm just reliving it, but don't, I love my life. If I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't be here with you all. And God has used that experience for me to minister to other women who have lost children. It got to the point I couldn't talk to people who hadn't lost children because people were saying dumb stuff to me. My mother had to start filtering the phone calls, well-meaning, but they were hurting. And so they were saying dumb stuff in their pain because they didn't know what to say. And so I got to the point, mom, if no, if they have not lost a child, I can't talk to them. And so now I can minister to women who have lost children because I can speak their language. I've walked in that pain. I know what that, I know what that feels like. So understand as dark as life is, God still has a plan for his nose. God still will walk you through to get you to the other side of the pain. And now I told you that Y'all understand, I've had not one, but two grandparents die on my birthday. My grandfather, my mother's father, died in front of me on my fifth birthday, right before my birthday party. And then my father's mother died right after 9-11 on my birthday. So I understand pain. I understand pain. So when you start, when you really see the joy, TJ, the walking exclamation point, no, I understand pain. And I still choose to rock with God. Where am I going? And so let my life be an example. And then fast forward, my, my niece dies. And so my parents now have had two granddaughters that they've had to bury. And so I've told you that I wrote a story to read at the funeral for my niece T3. And I wrote it from the perspective of my daughter Dot being in charge of the angel care squad in heaven. And she's in charge of showing T3 the ropes. And so God has shown me 
That's what I will do to honor Dot. We're, we're going to build Dot and the Angel Care Squad into a whole billion dollar brand. That's my legacy. That's what I will spend the rest of my life building. Her death will not be in vain. She will not for, be forgotten. But understand, I couldn't see any of that back in 2006. Of how he was going to use it. God will use it. He's just not going to give you a no for arbitrary reasons. His no is going to come with a plan that you may not see in your lifetime, but like Renee and I were talking about today, God doesn't waste words. His words do not return to him void. So you ain't going to never find anywhere in scripture where God was wasting words. So if he going to give you a no, there's a purpose behind the no. He's going to use the no. He's going to turn the no into something. He's going to build off of the no. He's going to use the no so you can then go bless other people who are who are getting their no's. So I wanted y'all to know that. Because a lot of you know, you know, I lost a daughter. You didn't know how and the pain it cost. So when you see me out here doing my thing and you think and she just wake up like that. Yeah, I do. But there was a period where I didn't want to wake up at all. But also take it as a lesson that whatever darkness that you're in, look at me. Y'all know on most days, this is probably the, the most mild you've ever seen me. Because you know on most days, I earn my name walking exclamation point. So I understand it comes with a cost and there's no way I could have made it without God and my mama. So um, I really haven't been reading the comments because I knew I just needed to get through the story. So I'll go back and read them. Um, I hope this blessed somebody. I hope this was helpful. And that you really understand who TJ is. Like, I hope you really walk away understanding. You can get through it. You can get through anything that God throws at you. As long as you stick close to him. So, Father God, I thank you. <laughs> I thank you. I didn't want to tell the story. But I knew God that you wanted to use it again. So my prayer, Lord, is that it's not in vain and that whether someone is listening live or listening to the replay, that they understand that your no 
will still be used for your glory. It's crazy, God, but I, I thank you for the pain because that means I can relate and identify and connect to people in ways when they hear this and they see who you've turned me into, they know what's possible. I'm a walking example of your mercy, of your grace. And even when I felt like I wanted to leave you, you didn't leave me. That week in the hospital, God, was one of two of the darkest seasons of my life and you got me through it. And so my prayer, Lord, is that when any of the tea lights come upon something like this, they'll look back at this time and they'll pull up the video and they'll remember, they'll look at the TJ now versus the TJ she just told them about. And they'll be like, God, I just got to, I just got to hold on. I just got to hold on. My light is coming back. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I've seen TJ's light come back. And so I just got to hold on to that. And so let it serve and be an inspiration to who are all under the sound of my voice. Thank you for letting the tea lights rock with me. I know we're significantly over, but I trust that this is how you would have wanted it. So until tomorrow, Lord, Keep my tea lights protected and safe. Love on them, oh God, and let them feel your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Naka, I didn't know you were here. Um, all right, y'all. Uh... That's it. I guess we should count it down. I guess we should count it down in 10. That's my heart. I forgot to say that's my heart for tonight. <laughs> um, 10, nine, eight, seven. Thank y'all for letting me be vulnerable. And well, accept me. Y'all let me because I was going to be vulnerable regardless if y'all let me or not. So how about that? Thank you for accepting. Oh, woke up from that nap you prophesied. <laughs> Thank you for accepting my vulnerability. Um, I appreciate you guys immensely. Six. Five. Four. Three, two, one. Love y'all. I'll see you tomorrow for day 21. We on the countdown. We on the countdown. All right. Love you, Ma. Later. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now.
See y'all later.